this morning. God bless you, Lynn. It's a privilege. Let me move all this over here. Uh, Walter, where are you, buddy? Walter, Walter, Walter. There, there he is back there. They're all pointing different directions. Y'all trying to mess me up before I even get started. Thanks a lot. Uh, I sent him my notes. I said, Walter, and then I got this thing last night. You want eight and a half by 11, or do you want, uh, what is it, like 50 by 90? And I said, eight and a half by 11 would be fine. I said, nah, well, you're getting old. I did the big one. I want you to look at these notes. I've never in my whole life. <laughs> Thanks, Walter. Appreciate it, buddy. Rub it in, rub it in. But anyway, oh, man. Welcome. It's such a privilege to be here. Aaron, worship team, guys, you guys are incredible. Uh, you always are. This is the first time in a long time I've been able to be with you on a Sunday. Uh, I'm usually at my church. Uh, this just kind of worked out, and I slipped out of town. I escaped our little prison in Kentucky. This is weird. I see faces. Look at these faces. You know, one thing I've learned about the COVID-19 uh, thing, how many of you liked it, just out of curiosity? Anybody like this COVID shutdown thing? Good. Uh, I didn't either. Uh, let me ask you, how many of you have learned something through it, maybe, possibly? Listen, if you haven't, then we really need to stop because God never wastes our pain. There's always something we're to learn, we're to be different and better for it. But one thing I have figured out is some people look better behind masks, Lynn. It worked. <laughs> I mean, it really, I, I got the things that, Lord, this isn't all bad. But anyway, and they're probably saying the same thing to me. You're probably saying, put one on now or put a gag on. That's not going to happen. Be open to your Bibles, if you will, the book of Esther and Esther chapter number four. This is a story that everybody knows. And so we'll read a few verses and there's no way to cover the whole thing. So I'm just going to trust that some of you will go there. But I'd like to say this, Aaron, uh, worship team, this is the first time in over a year inside that I've got to stand and sing and do whatever. We're still in lockdown in Kentucky. Now, we've never stopped. We just, when they didn't want us to do stuff inside, we moved it all out of the parking lot. The whole neighborhood heard us free. I mean, it was awesome. Matter of fact, I may do it again this summer. I had a few ladies, it's kind of hot out here. I said, just get used to it. You go to the beach. You can't wait to get out the sun, but you don't want to come to church. There's just something wrong with that. But we were able to go. We actually extended it through September. Didn't have to. But it's also put up these big auctioneer tents. We had water. We had the whole band. We cranked out all of our sound system. I mean, all of Somerset could hear the thum, 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 It was really, really awesome. But anyway, it was great to worship with you this morning and to be able to just, uh, just honor the Lord. Uh, guys, I think maybe the worst has passed. But here's, here's news for you. There's going to be something else come. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Uh, the moment we think our life is determined by the stuff going on around us, there's something really, really wrong. And I really do believe that God turned the, the, the apple cart upside down and has taken from our hands many things that we were clutching that determined our significance and the quality of our life. And God says, listen, you're holding on to the wrong things. And uh, anyway, I'm learning. I'm trying to uh, be a good student before the Lord and I hope that when we come through this, all of our churches, all of our people will be better for it. Lynn, love you, brother. You and Brenda, they have been, it has been almost forever. I was just a kid when Lynn was one of the instructors at school. And um, you. you're welcome. Obi-Wan Kenobi. But uh, anyway, uh, honestly, he and Brenda have been like family to us more than even friends. For a long, long time. My wife says hello. She's down in Southeast Texas with her 84-year-old mother who's been with us and traveling all over the place. Just wore me out. And uh, But Lynn, we love you guys. Love what you 
uh, do for the Lord. Glad to partner with you in it. And this is a privilege for a pastor to give up his pulpit on a Sunday morning. Uh, says a lot, and I don't take that for granted. I'm very grateful. And Faith, uh, listen, I love you guys. You are, I try to be nice everywhere I go and find nice things to say. That's just what we do as, as, as servants of the Lord. But I'm telling you with everything, all the honesty in my heart, you are my home away from home. Uh, I love you guys. It's just like being home when I'm with you. And I count it a real honor and a real privilege to be able to be with you today. My prayer is that God would just meet with us. I can't do what you need done today. You know that, right? Uh, Brother Lynn, he, he, he's brilliant. You know, he's, he, he does so many things. But when he stands before you, he stands with the understanding, just as I do now, that we don't know what's going on behind what we see, nor are we really able to meet those needs other than letting you know that we care. But we do know the God who does. And I, I just trust him to do what he has already brought us together to do today. If you're a guest, thank you for being with us. Uh, you couldn't find a better place. And for those of you who have been here for 100 years, God has a purpose. And he's already working in our lives this morning to accomplish that purpose. And I want you to ask, going into it, Lord, what do you want from me? All right? Don't just leave and say it was a good service. Don't just leave and say, wow, okay. What do you want from me? What do you want for me? You're here for a reason. And God is speaking and working not just for everybody. He's working with you. He's speaking to you and to me. And if you listen to him, I promise you, it may be something totally different than anything I say, but when you hear from God, that's the reason we're here and you will leave different because of it. If you don't mind, let's stand for the reading of God's word. I'm gonna read just a few verses and then we'll dive in today. Our subject, our thought for the entire day is a phrase that you know as well as I do. I've preached it before. There's a phrase in Esther that's just incredible for such a time as this, all right? Let's read the passage and set it up, if you will. Begin verse number 10. Again, Esther spake under, unto Hatak, and uh, am I in the right place? Yeah, there we go. Uh, and told Esther the words of Mordecai. And Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called, uh, there's one law of his to put him to bed, death, except such to whom the, the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I've not been called to come in unto the king these 30 days. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou, shalt, or if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall there be enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And, and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom? Here's our phrase for such a time as this. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, day, night or day, I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go into, unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we're so grateful today for another Sunday morning to exalt our Savior, to praise him. We're grateful for 
those who have led us this morning right straight to him. And God, I pray that you have been honored by our praise and at the same time that through it, you have opened our heart to your presence. I ask for forgiveness. I ask for filling and, and enabling just to say what you want said. But then, Lord, take your word and bring it to life and apply it to every single person. Lord, we just trust you to do your work within us today. We need it. We ask for it. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated if you will. Worldwide danger and challenges are nothing new. Each struggle has new consequences, new unique characteristics, and yet, yet the problems, uh, worldwide problems and challenges, they are just a part of life. Uh, they always have been, they always will be, we might as well just get, kind of get used to them. And that's true in the Bible. We find many, many different stories in the Bible that are, are, are heartbreaking and they're seemingly overwhelming. And yet, as we look at them, we find principles in every one of us that are there to teach us as we in our age enter some of the same uh, problems. Maybe different in nature, different in characteristic, but yet, yet they're there. Uh, so today, our key phrase is for such a time as this. We want to step back into time and learn something that happened a long time ago people that have long since lived through it and gone on to be with the Lord, but something that we can glean from and learn from as we face our lives. It might be this COVID pandemic thing. It might be your personal world right now with your crisis and your struggles that you're going through. It may be whatever's rolling in next that we don't anticipate, but there are principles that are there for us to learn from in all of our lives. Now, there, there are two key tr critical truths that I want you to kind of focus on, and then we'll dive into our, our story today. Number one, I want you to know that there is hope for you and your loved ones. All right, we're going to find that in our story. That's the story of the Bible. The Bible is a book of hope. And it doesn't matter what we face in life. When we find God's answers, and even more than the answers, when we find the God of those answers, then we find what we need. Impossible situations are not impossible with God. God is working in ways we cannot imagine. And so I want you to know that whoever you are and whatever's going on in your world, there is hope for you. Just like it was then, we'll talk about, so it is now. Number two, there not only is hope for you and your loved ones and your family and your situation, but you are part of God's answer for this world that we live in today. You are to be a bearer of hope. Not just find the answers for yourself, but as you find those answers and as you apply them in your lives, you are part of what God is working to do, part of his solution. As people are praying, God, help me. God, I need God. What am I going to do? God smiles and says, listen, I understand your pain. I know your tears. I know your frustration, but there's hope for you, and I'm moving someone into your world. I'm going to cross your path with theirs, and I'm going to use them to bring you the news, and you're them. You're the person. You're the bearer of hope. So there is hope for you today. And for every single person here, we are part of God's answer for this world that we are living in. As I mentioned, our key phrase is for such a time as this. God knows exactly what's going on in our lives. God knows exactly what's going on in our world. He's not stressed. Do y'all realize that? Just out of curiosity. Any of you think God's in heaven said, oh, no, what am I going to do? Really? How am I going to straighten those politicians out? Anybody ever want to do that and help him out? Lord, I'll, I'll, give me the God title for just a day or two. I'll straighten all this mess out. Any, I felt that way regularly. I'm, I haven't been a real good Christian, Lynn. I'll just tell you. I've got to confess every day when I get through the end of the day. Lord, I'm just mad. 
He said, I don't care. I don't like it. I didn't ask you if you liked it. Okay, God's not stressed. He's not, he hasn't had an emergency meeting of the Godhead since this thing has started. Really. Matter of fact, he knew it was coming. And he's working in it. And so, as we look at the scriptures, and we understand that God knows exactly what's going on. And God has something he wants to do, and something he wants us to do in it. Let's dive into our text for such a time as this. I want to tell you, I've got five points. Don't, don't dial me. Okay, no, no cardiac arrest this morning. Uh, I'm watching the clock. Lynn told me, Darby, you have 15 minutes, which he knows means about 30. So anyway, I always double what Lynn says, so he was smart. But anyway, um, not exactly. But uh, I want to give you five things to talk about. Number one, let's talk real quickly about a setup. There is a symbol if you will, a a universal symbol that has represented our story. Now, we're going to get down to names and people that you recognize, and one of the problems I have with a lot of the Bible stories is they are just that to us. We forget that they were flesh and blood just like us. They had sleepless nights. They they didn't know what they were going to do. They struggled just like we struggled, and we forget. We just look at them as stories, so we'll talk about that. But here's the point. All the Bible stories that were real, that were true in time, that happened to, to men, men, women, boys, and girls throughout history. They are all real, and they had their application in their time, but they are included in this book so that we can pull them out and learn the timeless truths for our lives today. And in the crisis that we're going to look at in, the, in our text, there are a couple, three things that we'll find they foreshadowed and they, and they, they, they pictured something that was bigger. There is a bigger problem than the one we're going to read about in our story. There is a bigger problem than the one that we're facing in our world today. There is a bigger universal problem that's been the problem since the Garden of Eden that we need to always be mindful of. And and guys, if you miss this, then then you're in serious, serious peril. Now, this bigger problem, there's a universal infection. I just use that term since we're all so familiar with COVID and all that good junk and sick of it. There is a universal infection, all right? Let me just ask, how many of you this morning would confess the fact that you're sinners? Anybody want to raise your hand? How about that? For all have sinned. If you didn't raise your hand, you just lied. You're a sinner. Okay? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. There's a universal problem. We've all been bit. We're all infected. We're all guilty. And guys, the simple truth is there's not only universal infection, there are unimaginable consequences because of that. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The wages of sin is death. Jesus said, I've not come to condemn you. If you've never heard what I'm going to talk about this morning, this is your first time here, understand we're not here to make you feel bad. You feel bad already. You just don't know why. We're here to explain it to you. Jesus said, I haven't come to condemn you. You're condemned already. Ephesians says, listen, if you don't know God, you are lost. You have no hope. You are without God. So understand, because of our sin, we're cut off from God. We're cut off from life. We're cut off from light. We're cut off from love. Because of our sin, it is a deadly situation, and there's not a single person who is immune to it. In this building today, in our homes, wherever we may be going when we leave, and literally to the places in the furthermost parts of the world. So there's a universal infection, a universal problem. There's a, there, there are unimaginable consequences. 
And then as we look at the scriptures and as we put it all together, the, 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 the stats are unparalleled. There's not a single person. I mean, some people have gotten COVID. Just out of curiosity, how many of you have had it in the congregation? Okay, my wife's had it. She breathed on me. She coughed on me. Oh, darling, you please don't stay in here to room with me. You didn't COVID since I was there. Oh, oh my. Ah, she. And three days later, oh, she's got COVID. Duh. My son had it. Church members have had it. Yeah, here's the thing. Some people got it. Thankfully, a lot of people didn't. But every single person, every single person that has sinned, cut off from God. Every single person will pay the price of that. There's no exception. So if you think somehow or another you're going to slip through life and you're going to be okay in life and you're going to be okay in eternity without what God has provided for you, then you're just under false impressions because there's no one that is mute. So our story, as we look at it very simply, we understand we're fixing to walk into a worldwide crisis. But as bad as it was, there was even a bigger one then and now. Now, with that in mind, let's talk about the story itself. How many of you heard the story of Esther and Mordecai? Just, if, if this is familiar with you, just raise your hands. Okay, most of you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'll, I'll hit the highlights. I'd really like to spend more time on the application this morning, and so we'll do that. So let's just kind of hit the highlights, and we'll give it to you in a, in a nutshell. I want you to understand, first of all, that these are real people. This is a serious problem. Like I said, we, sometimes we forget when we go into Bible stories. Uh, it's just like the stories we see on TV. We, we forget. Listen, there were moms and dads that were red-eyed, couldn't sleep because they knew that they and their kids would be dead in just a few days. There was the hopelessness. They prayed to a God saying, God, we need your help. But the law of the Medes and the Persians is unbreakable. And the empire, the sources and resources and power of the empire is stacked against us. We have, we, there's nothing we can do. It didn't matter where they lived. It didn't matter what was going on. These were real people that bled just like we did, that prayed just like we did, that, that cried just like we do. And, and as we look at the scriptures, just never lose the fact that these are real folks just like every single one of you and the people we're going home to today. So as we look at the story, they're, they're the characters. There's Esther. You remember, she's the, the book is named after. She's absolutely a gorgeous young Jewish girl, has every dream in the world to grow up, probably have her own family, honor the Lord, do the things that young girls do in Jewish times. And, and so she is our hero. There is her uncle, Mordecai. Mordecai was well situated. He is so positioned that he has the ear of the king. He knows all the power players. God had put him in a unique position. So there is her uncle, Mordecai. There is the king Ahasuerus, or Xerxes, depending on who you want to read. He is the, he's the big guy for the empire. empire. He is the one. Uh, when we talk about the law of the Medes and the Persians, it was him. He ruled with an iron fist. He was a brute. He was a, he, was a, he was a pagan in every sense of the word, but he was the ruler of the world of their day. There are a couple other people you need to be aware of. There's a lady by the name of Vashti or Vashti. Uh, she doesn't exactly enter our picture. She comes before it. She was the queen before Esther was the queen. Uh, pagan, we, as far as we know, she doesn't know the Lord, but the lady made a good decision. We'll talk about that in just a second. And that decision was the domino that God put into play to accomplish his purpose in their lives. And then finally, there's a guy by the, y'all remember the bad guy's name? What was his name? 
Oh, y'all know this story well. I can keep on trucking now. All right, Haman, he's the snake in the grass. There's always a snake in the grass. Have y'all realized that? I mean, it doesn't matter. Where, there's always a villain. There's always evil that's just slithering. And there will be till Jesus comes again. You do understand that. There's always evil. And the terrible thing is when we say, yeah, there it is, you have to kind of look in the mirror like Lynn says we do when we see this old guy looking back. When we look in the mirror, there's always some evil lurking in our hearts. And then there are always God, the people that the devil moves into the realm of God's people to just mess things up royally. And Haman is the face of evil. So we have our characters. Now, let me just kind of set up a couple things. I want to give you three parts to our story. And like I said, I'm not going to spend as much time on the story as I will the application. Number one, let's call it divine maneuvering. All right, there's some divine maneuvering going on. You say, what do you mean by that? Just what I've referenced earlier. God's never caught off guard. God never is saying, oh my goodness. I love this sermon. God's never had to say, oops. Now, I do think every now and then when you look at some people like, what? God may say, I wish I could probably claim that I did forget and that was a moment. But no, God never makes mistakes. God never has to say, oops. God's never even surprised, which is just totally beyond my imagination. And, and, and as we read this story, it is warped. I'm just telling you. There's a young girl that has prayed every day of her life to honor the Lord, to grow up like the young girls of her day, to have her family, to maybe be the one through whom the Christ child would come, to, to, to do all these things. And, and the weirdest thing has happened. There's a pagan king who has a big banquet, and he wants to show off his, his beautiful bride, queen, in the most lewd ways possible. And for whatever reason, she refused. She said, I am not doing it. You don't do that to the brutal emperor of the dark empire. But she did. And the king got all mad, bent out of shape. She said, okay, you ain't going to be queen. I'll fix you. I'm going to lock you up for the rest of your life. I'm going to find me another queen. And he went to work, find him another queen. I'm telling you, a lot of world leaders are just warped. Have y'all figured that out? I mean, they're just really weird. Uh, and so he was no, no exception to the rule. Matter of fact, he was pretty much a, a exemplary of the rule. So he said, we're going to have us a worldwide beauty contest. But it was one warped one. They got all the prettiest girls. They put them together. And then they picked the best ones of the best. And then the king got to check every one of them out. We won't go into all the details. But it was warped. It was weird. It would have been, it was worse than any reality program you could have ever found. And the long story short, he chose Esther. A godly person. Listen, God does things through ways we cannot imagine. Okay? Esther, are you willing to give up your dreams? You willing to serve this animal? I will not serve a person like that. Oh, watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. God doesn't give us exceptions of what he's asked us to do. He doesn't say, I want you to do this if the circumstances are good. Or if it pleases you. Or if you can hold on to your dreams and, and work mine into your schedule. Y'all do know that, right? He said, Esther, I'm going to ask you something that will violate you to the core. Take from you all that you dreamed. Ask you to do something for me that's going to be hard for you to do. But Mordecai told her, said, Esther, you just got to honor the Lord and be what he's asked you to be, regardless of the world around you. And she did. She was an amazing lady, and as the story ended up, she ended up the new queen. The old one stuck in a prison somewhere or you know, banished somewhere, but, 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 but Esther was brought in, and God maneuvered her into this position. Now, here's what I want you to know. 
We're fixing to see some, inter- some incredibly bad stuff going on. But behind the bad stuff, before Haman ever slithered out, before the laws were ever passed, before the people, the, the, the infection of sin at that moment manifests itself, God already knew what was coming. God already knew the need. God was already maneuvering behind the scenes to have his answer for that moment, for that generation. And I want you to understand God is doing the same in your world and mine. Whether it's your personal life and you're struggling, you're saying, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Lord, this just came out of nowhere. God smiles and says, I know it did for you but I've known it's coming and I know what you need and I have the answer for our world as we face unimaginable challenges and trust me they're going to get worse as the coming of Jesus draws near we're going to see things that we never thought we would see before the bottom line is we don't have to understand them we don't have to like them God our sovereign God behind the scenes knows what's coming he's working behind the scenes in ways we can't imagine and what he asks of us is are you willing to be what I need you to be in that moment not only for your sake but for my answer for the world that you live in so you find divine maneuvering god's doing the same thing now he's doing the same thing in your life and mine number two we find the part two i just call it haman the evil guy himself evil incarnate the snake in the grass he's slithered in he hates the jews he hates god he tricks the king into passing a decree that every jew is going to die you say well, good grief i mean how do you listen the devil is brilliant in his evil strategies you know that right Sometimes he uses good stuff. Sometimes he appeals to pride and vanity. Sometimes he uses bad stuff. We won't even get into all the different stories. I mean, go through your Bible. Every crisis in there, somehow evil has manifested itself in there and has caused great heartache. And you wonder, what in the world? How in the world would any king pass a law that even people he liked would just kill them all? Just kill every stinking one of them. Take their property. I mean, that's almost unimaginable. And yet history is full of things just like that, isn't it? In our lifetime, most of us probably don't remember we weren't there, but there was a guy who decided every Jew needed to die, and he killed them by the millions. That's our lifetime. The evil is no different. It just manifests itself in different ways at different times. So here's the thing. Evil is working behind the scenes with the goal of exterminating an entire group of people. And then number three. There's part one, God's working behind the scenes. Part two, the snake slithers in, Haman does his deed, the law is passed, everybody's going to die. Part number three is Esther and Mordecai and God. This kind of sets the stage for the practical principles that we're going to talk about and kind of wrap up with in just a second. As all this became known, Mordecai and his position realized there was nothing he could do. So the Bible says that Mordecai, being a godly man, was broken. If you read the text, and I'm just giving you this, the snapshot version, Mordecai was absolutely broken. If you read through the verses prior to the one that we read, you'll find that there are three different responses of people to the news of what was fixing to happen. Some were totally indifferent. There are people going to be destroyed. Literally, children that will be thrown against the wall, their blood... I, It was horrendous what was going to happen. And some people were partying. Some people were having just life as always. Oh, well, that's just, yeah, maybe we'll be a little richer. We'll pad our retirement portfolios. We're going to be fine. This will be fine. There were some people that were totally indifferent to to the plight of an entire group of people that were soon to die. There were some, the Bible says, 
that uh, were perplexed. Okay? In other words, they were bothered by it. Like, you know, this really isn't a good thing. Maybe our emperor's gone a little too far, but you know, what can we do? He's the emperor. Oh, well, this, I feel so bad for those folks. <laughs> wow. They were bothered by it. They were bothered. They were perplexed is our word. Before I give you the third response, can I ask you a couple things? There's no one here that would be guilty of this, I'm sure. But you ever get so caught up or see people so caught up in life that as long as they can do what they want, go where they want, enjoy life on their terms, that, you know, I hate that the world's going to hell. I hate that their family's falling apart. I hate this. But, you know, gosh, that's just a terrible, that are just basically impervious to the brokenness of others. I hope that will never be us. But I will tell you this, I think a lot of God's people and God's churches settle in that second category. Oh man, it's terrible. Gosh, there, there are countries that don't have, that never heard the name of Jesus. There are people that'll never have the chance to sit in a service like today. They're gonna go to hell until they go to hell. They're lost in their own. They're dealing with all these problems in the world without a God to help them. They're without God and without hope. Oh, that's, that's, oh, that's really, I feel so bad, Brother Lynn. It's just, it's just terrible. And then they roll on. They're perplexed. They're bothered. But I'm going to suggest to you that being bothered is not enough. It's just not enough. Jesus stood over the city of Jerusalem and he wept when no one else was weeping. And as we learn what he saw and as we feel what he felt and as he works within us, we will come to the same place that his people always have. Mordecai, he literally fell. He cried. He was broken for the plight of what was to come and the people that he loved. And I believe with everything in me, when God's people today can get beyond living in the moment, living controlled by our world, when we begin to live with the heart of Jesus within us, that we will be grateful for his blessings and praise and worship him, but we will equally be broken with the plight of those around us and those from one end of this world to the other, that any moment they're living without Christ, they have no help, and when they die, they will be lost forever. We need to be broken with the plight of those who don't don't know Jesus Christ is their Savior. Mordecai was. And realizing there's only one thing to do, he brought it to his niece, Esther, who was now the queen. And as he brought it to Esther, he said, Esther, you're, you're the only one I know to talk to. I can't go before the king. No one else has an answer. No one else has. You're the only one. And he brought it and put it in her lap. Esther had some decisions to make. She said, listen, it's against the law. I can't go tell the king what to do you know maybe in our days the wife can tell the husband what to do and get away with it but in those days they'd kill her he said he'll kill me he'll kill me he said only on certain occasions and at a certain time are you allowed in and then if it doesn't go well you're dead meat and and she had she she had a she was the queen the luxuries of of all that went along with that position and her very life, everything was on the line. And so you can understand Esther struggling. This morning, God's going to touch hearts. I believe with everything in me, as you realize that you're part of the answer, that God will speak. And it's going to be tough to say, I've got to let go of some things. I've got to be able to commit to some things. This may not be comfortable for me. It may take me to areas and places that I'm not used to. God, I don't know. Esther struggled because she was human. And there we have it. Mordecai broken, 
Esther comes to the place that she realizes that she is the answer. And then we move from our story into our principles. Let me give them to you quickly. As we look at our, as we look at our, 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 our lesson today, and we've got to wrap it up, I'm going to just give you what I'll call the, the strategy for the ages. It's how she responded in that time of crisis. And I realize we have, we have just a few minutes, so I've got a deal for you. I'll talk fast if y'all listen fast. Is that okay? Are y'all awake? Okay. All right. Number one, what did Esther do when she realized that she was the one in that moment, in that crisis? First thing she did, she prayed. She didn't just pray, she got others to pray. Praying and fasting. I, I, each one of these lends a sermon. I'm sorry, you need to just take the, preach the whole stinking book. But anyway, y'all know, I, I follow a preacher in New York, not a Baptist, but oh, learned so much from him and right now he's battling for his life he probably won't make it much longer pancreatic cancer i think stage four or something like that he wrote a book on prayer which good grief i could never write a book on prayer i buy everything i can find to learn how to pray but as i read his book he said you know i used to do it like every other preacher but he said my wife came in and said listen if the doctor said this pill is the only thing that will keep you alive will you take it or will you not he said, well, I'd be an idiot not to. She said, do you really think that pill was as powerful as prayer? And he said, dawned on me that what I've been preaching through the years was my personal lifeline. And he said, I will tell you, as a preacher, I've begun to pray as if everything depended on it. Guys, I know, is there anybody here that doesn't believe in prayer? Go ahead and raise your hand. Good, nobody, or you wouldn't admit to it anyway. But here's the thing. Esther, when everything was on the line, said, listen, I need, I need you to pray for me. I'm going to have my, my servants pray. I want you to pray. I want you to fast. So I will just tell you, before we dive into finding solutions for the world and even solutions for our situation, if we're looking everywhere, but we're not doing what God's asked us to do to start with, we're just running around in circles. It's kind of like a guy named Obadiah in the time of Ahab and, and Elijah. Uh, he was a man of God, but he, you know. Rather than praying, the Bible says he's out looking for, looking for grass, but he should have been praying for rain. And Elijah said, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Pray. She prayed. Number two, plan for the ages. Preparation. She said, let's, let's wait. Let's think. Let's prepare our hearts. God is going to open doors. God will have to open the doors. And when he opens the doors, we want to be ready to step through them. Are you preparing your life to just listen to that voice of the Lord when he says, it's time to step, it's time to give, it's time to go, it's time to respond? Esther didn't say, okay, here I go. It, it would, guys, listen, there's a little, you got to learn to listen and wait and look to the Lord. If we, if we're not, if we don't do that, we'll create a lot of messes that God has nothing to do with. Number one, prayer. Number two, there was preparation. Number three, she came to the place that in her life she made a personal commitment. She said, I will be what God's asked me to be. I'll, 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 if I perish, I perish. I'll do, what, I'll do what I can. It may not be enough. It may not be the answer. But I will do my part. So let's start with praying. Let's look for open doors and opportunities. And then let's say, God, listen, whatever you want, whatever you ask of me, that's what I'll be willing to do. That's what I'll be willing to give. Lord, I'm all in. 
I'm not going to hold out. I'm not going to just kind of let everybody else do it. I'm not going to just kind of put a little toe in the water thing. I am all in. It was for her everything. Number one, prayer. Number two, pre pre preparation. Number three, her personal commitment. And then number four, she did her part. She walked in before the king. She waited, and as she waited, the door opened. She walked into that door. I ask you in just a second, we're going to give an invitation. Will you? If God nudges your heart, if he says, now's the time, I've opened the door, you know what to do. Will you say, okay, God, I've been waiting to know the next step for me is this, I will take it. Oh, amazing things begin to happen. We'll just take that one little step that God takes us, leads us to take. And then number five, I call them principles of success. I want to just mention them, and I know we're out of time, but they're a sermon all by themselves, and then we'll wrap it up. There are some things that Esther teaches us. And I'll be real, real honest. I think there's some principles that we need as God's people in our world to be effective and have impact in our society as she did before that king that day. You remember, he was a, he was a jerk. But he just happened to be the evil emperor of the dark empire, okay? How do you respond to jerks? I'll give them a piece of my mind. Any of you ever felt like that this last year by any chance? Don't answer that. I'll tell you, I, had, I talked to a guy just last week. I know I'm out of time. I talked to a guy. He's, I'm just mad. I said, well, okay, get over it. He put a, but I'm mad. I said, you're going to stay mad. See, choose to stay mad or get over it. Let me, tell you some, let me tell you how God led her to do the right thing to change the world. And you may think this is the little part of the sermon. I think it's probably one of the biggest. So here we go. Number one, number one, as God worked in her life and as God, uh, God led her, she showed respect to a jerk who didn't deserve it. That's not in my notes, but that's... God has called us to be respectful. The moment we start showing our arrogance, pride, and we start judging and criticizing, we lose our platform. We lose our effectiveness. I mean, I want to ask you, just use yourself, if somebody come up to you and said, hey, listen, you're a stinking jerk, but God told me to tell you something, how would you respond to that, just out of curiosity? <laughs> come on, husbands, your wife says, listen, you're an idiot, but how are you going to respond to anything that comes after that? Maybe very true, right, ladies, but... You're not going to get very far that way. Lynn does a lot of counseling. I'm just going to tell you, it just doesn't work. I'll tell you what Esther told us. And here's one of the things. Lynn, I, I, I did a lot of studying this. I mean, God's teaching me a lot. If you read Peter and Paul and James and watch Jesus, how they responded to the jerks of their age, and they're as good as any. I mean, the jerks change the names, but they stay in every government. They stay in every age. They're in every, they're in every moment of history. That's just life. They taught us the most incredible restraint. They taught us the, the significance. Even Jesus, I, I listened today, yesterday all the way up here with sermons. Jesus responded to those who were so that he was honest, okay? He was not politically correct, just letting you know. But he always showed respect. He always when the people were picking up stones, said, you know who that is? Jesus said, he looked at them and saw a person and he treated them with compassion. I will tell you, and, and I know, like I said, each one's a sermon. 
Esther walked in before a man who did not deserve the respect, but gave it to him anyway. And it set the stage for everything he should come after. I, listen, if you see somebody acting like a, like a terrible sinner, good grief, why would you be surprised? They probably are. But if you look at them and say, listen, Jesus died for you and he loves you and I do too. If you try to meet them where they are, recognize them as a person, show them just basic human respect, it will make such a difference. It did then and it will now. Number two, there's not just respect, but as we look at it, she, she made a request. She, she, she didn't go in there and say, hey, big boy, I'm telling you, I am now your queen. And if you want anything from this queen, you better do what I'm telling you to do, or life's going to get miserable for you. Right. I will tell you, you know what a lot of God's people are doing right now? Hey, world, you better quit that. Hey, world, you better listen to me. Hey, world, that doesn't work. They don't care. You do know we've not been sent to straighten the world out. Y'all know that, right? We know who can do that. But in order for him to do that, they've got to know him. Then the same God that's straightening us out can go to work straightening them out. He said, you go, you be light. You go, you show them the love of God. You go, let the God who can do anything into their world and then watch things happen. But if we just go making demands, good grief. Esther taught us, but even, even in the worst circumstances, we're to show restraint. And, and, and she just made some requests. Number one, there was respect. Number two, she made some requests. Number three, there was, there was reliance in her testimony. She went before the king. I won't read it. We're out of time. She went before the king, and she said, If I have found favor before you, then I ask you to listen to me. Oh, guys, listen. If they're listening to our message of Jesus depends upon what they have seen before we mention his name in our lives will they listen can we say to our neighbor listen you may not understand but you've seen the way that we lived and you know that we love you can I share something with you would they or would they say you gotta be kidding you're a jerk six days a week on Sunday you go to church I'm not listening to you Churches, I could spend all day long, but I, I will just tell you, the life that they see us live sets the stage for the message of life we have to bring in Jesus. Esther displayed that so beautifully. She said before this king, if you've seen anything in me, then please listen to what I have to say. What was it Jesus said? You shall be, what was the word? Witnesses. We're the living verification that God is real. Or are we? I sure hope so. And, and then finally, she did her part, and then she just rested, said, it's out of my hands, it's in God's now. When we've done our part, you don't have to worry about what happens beyond that, because we can't solve all the problems, we can't fix everything, can we? The results were incredible. Oh, listen, it was really remarkable. Let me just ask you a simple question. As we look at the text, and as we see what happens when, it, when, it, when a, a, a lady who was willing to do what she could and put it in God's hands and stand up for that time, did what she was supposed to do. What happened then? Well, the king listened. 
He changed his mind. He passed another, another verdict, said, listen, they don't have to die. And throughout the land, there's a, if you look at chapter 8, you'll find a sensational result of what happened. They, they, they got the riders and the mules and the camels. They said, run, mules, run. Go everywhere. Tell everybody. They don't have to die. They don't have to suffer. They don't have to be afraid. Everything changed. You look at chapter number 8, and you'll find it was a good day. They rejoiced. It was a day of light. Amazing things happened. It's a great story. And for a little while, there was peace and rest and rejoicing. Was another crisis coming? Sure, there always is. But God is always ahead of the next crisis. He already has the answer. He had one lady set up in that time to make the difference that literally resulted in people from one end of the empire to the other living and laughing and rejoicing in what God had done for their lives. So, what do we do with this story today? Well, there's a lot of practical stuff in there. You do recognize that. So maybe next time we'll do 10 sessions. But I want to give you two things. Number one, if you've never trusted Jesus as your personal Savior, you're in the same deadly peril that they were in. There is no hope. God's not with you. When you say, God, help me, he, he can't because your sin separates you from God. But here's the good news. God loves you. God, God has provided an answer for you. And all you have to do today is receive it. Receive Jesus. If you've never trusted him as your Savior, this is your day. That's your step. And when you trust Jesus as your Savior, everything changes. I pray today if you've never trusted him, if you can't go back that time that, oh, God, I, I, I knew I was a sinner and I trusted Jesus. If you can't find that time, rejoice in that time, this may be your time. And God sent me for such a time as this to tell you, and what a privilege that is. But church, let, let's, let, let's wrap it up. If you're lost, you need to trust him. But what about for those of us that are saved? God didn't put us here to survive. You do know that, right? God didn't put us here just to hunker down and hold on to Jesus comes. Good grief. Really? We're here for such a time as this. He saved us. He's met every need, and he will continue. He's working in ways that we can't understand and, and, and meeting needs that we don't even know about. God's met the needs, impossible needs for every man, woman, boy, and girl. And you and I, we're part of the answer. Faith, we're part of the answer. The question is not whether God can. The question is not whether he cares. The question is will we as God's people be part of his answer in this world, in this time in which we're living. We're not here just to make it through. We're not here just to come back and, oh, we're finally back to normal. I hope we're never back to normal. There is no normal in the vocabulary of a child of God. Every day is a new challenge. Every day is a new beginning. God is doing something in this world that we live in. It is perilous. There are people that are going to die and go to hell. There are people that are lost and lonely. There are people who have no idea what to hope or hold on to and we have the answer the answer is Jesus God has called us for such a time as this just as critical as it was for the days of Esther for her to step up and she and Mordecai in brokenness and total faith in God be part of God's answer God is calling you and me for such a time as this so if you've never trusted Jesus today is the day Begin that journey. Let him meet the needs that you have now and forever. And if you have, I just simply ask, what is he asking you to do? Remember where we started? God's going to speak to every heart. I believe that. And he's speaking to you. It may just be to strengthen you. Maybe just to be to whisper, I love you. It's okay. 
But it also might be, you need to do this. You need to make a decision. Baptism, church membership, those things that are very important. Or maybe God's just leading you to step up and, and, and begin to be part of his answer, change your mindset. I have no idea what, but I do know that God is speaking. And the question is, will we answer and be what he wants us to be in this time or such a time as this? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We ask you to take it and use it to just, God, speak to our hearts today. It is a living word. It is your voice. And I pray that we will hear you speak clearly through it. And now, Lord, as we respond to this message, I pray that more than responding to a sermon, that we'll realize that we're responding to you, that we're stepping from the shadows, we're stepping from what's going on in our hearts, and we're, we're taking that next step to be your answer, to do what you're asking us to do, not only for our lives, but for this world in which we live. Lord, if there's one that's never trusted Jesus, I pray that right now they'd recognize that need like never before. And that today, this very morning, would be the day that they would turn and provide and receive the answer he provided at the cross. Lord, whatever your will is, speak to every heart. Reveal yourself and what you want and give us the grace to take that step, whatever it may be. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Mike. Let's stand for God's invitation. What is it that God wants you to do? He wants you to be saved. Will you come and trust Jesus? He wants you to be baptized. Follow the Lord in baptism. That's why I put you in the congregation today for such a time as this. Make the decision that God is leading you to make. Maybe you've been away. You need to come back. Maybe you need to come for membership in Faith Baptist Church. Whatever God is asking you to do today, do it now. While Roger's playing, will you come?